How's it going today, guys? I'm back here live in the studio for another episode of Hot Takes with TP3. Today's Thursday, August 27, 2020. Um, got a good podcast for y'all. I know I haven't been on here in a minute. It's been a weird week for me. Weird week for Kobe, who've been trying to do this podcast with. Kobe, you want to go ahead and say what's up to the people real quick? On everybody, yeah, it's been been a weird week trying to get together. We couldn't quite figure things out, but you know, glad to be here today and get talk some sports with you. Yeah, I'm not gonna lie, guys. Our big problem was we just wanted to watch all these games at night. We didn't want to miss a single second of it, so that's more so the reason why we haven't been. But finally today, you know, we got a little break. Honestly. Not a bad thing. I think the players made the right decision and everything. I want to say one thing before we get going. You know, black lives definitely do matter, and I think that they're making the right decision there to keep playing. I think they're better off using this platform as them playing basketball to kind of stand up for everything, you know, rather than them not playing. So I think they're making the right decision here, and I'm fully behind it as well with all them. But, you know, we'll go ahead and talk about some coaches getting fired here before we go to really in depth on these series. And we saw two coaches get fired right after their teams got swept in four games, and that would be Nate McMillan of the Pacers and Brett Brown. Let's talk about uh, Nate McMillan here, though, right out the gate forward. You know, we're kind of, I think me and Kobe are about to go in on Brett Brown since he did a horrible job there. But um, what do you think about the Nate McMillan firing? Was it the right decision? I, I think it's still up for debate. You know, I think he kind of had some unfortunate injuries with Vic, Victor Oladipo and Sabonis even this year in the playoffs. You know, that hurts them not having that big presence down there against the Heat, and it hurt them against the the Heat in the first round. So I think it was kind of unfortunate because he had some of those guys get injured. I would have gave him another year at least because, you know, I mean, they were playing a team in Miami that I believe, you know, you know this, that I like the Heat. I think that they're a very good team. So I think that, you know, they got swept, which kind of sucks, but, you know, I thought it was a little too early to call it quits on my boy, McMillan. <laughs> <laughs> I like how you owned him as your boy. Um, I was actually a big Nate McMillan fan. I feel like, you know, he's a guy who's kind of a role player. He takes on kind of that mentality, and I thought he did a good job, you know, passing that mentality, mentality along to his team, but... Honestly, I feel like he's more of a defensive coach, and his 0-8 record as well in the playoffs the last two years, I think is ultimately what led to him getting fired, and you know, he can't help Oladipo and stuff going down, but at the same time, you got to make the most of what you got, and you know, the Pacers barely averaged 100 points in the bubble in the playoffs, you know, all these other teams had much higher numbers than that, and Honestly, I think it's time for the Pacers to get changed in there. I think they have a lot of good pieces now, and if they can get a coach who can spread things out better, it'll be better. I actually saw they were rumored to want to get Dan Tony. I think that they're better off um, moving on from Miles Turner and trading him. I mean, he makes $15 million a year, and he's one of the better defensive centers in the league. You can get something better in return for him. When you get Sabonis back, you put Sabonis at that five. He's a guy who's very versatile, can shoot the three, can kind of handle the ball a little bit too. I think you have to choose between him and Miles Turner. In my opinion, Sabonis is much better, and you play T.J. Warren at the four. I mean, we saw when he moved to the four in this series how much better he played. You know, Warren's a guy who that – he plays better when he's at that four position because he gets kind of mismatches and stuff. So, I mean, the Pacers obviously need to bring back Oladipo, but I think if they move on from Miles Turner and move to a little bit smaller and faster lineup, that it'll benefit them more than trying to play this two-big-man lineup that's kind of outdated basketball in the NBA nowadays. Yeah, I, I agree with you on the Miles Turner. He, uh, he has too much. He's taking too much cap space up, and I agree that they should go smaller, you know, TJ Warren at the four, he's he's a bucket, and him at the four is that would be a good look for the Pacers. Um, yeah, I think they can get smaller. Keep Oladipo. It's gonna, you know, I'll I'll see how the coaching situation is. 
I guess. But, um, you know, it's going to be interesting to see what they do moving forward. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, ultimately, if they can retain Oladipo or not, it's going to set a lot. But, I mean, you can still get a lot in return for Miles Turner or Sabonis, whichever one you want to move. But I would just keep personally keep Sabonis. I think he's more versatile. He's still a very young player, too. But anyway, let's move now to the other coach firing, which, I mean, there's a lot of strong words going around right now. And I'll start us off with this one here. Brett Brown, 150% deserved to get fired, in my opinion. I mean, don't get me wrong. I think the 76ers team has been kind of messed up ever since the whole Markel Fultz. Then they traded for Jimmy Butler and kind of fixed the problem. That made the problem even worse. They're losing Jimmy Butler. Now you're stuck with basically three bigs and no real guards. So I think that's honestly what's been killing them lately. But at the end of the day... I think that he had to go. I mean, this team was awful on the road. They were 9-24 and this season. They were like, I think they won under 15 games on the road last year. And that says a lot. I and, mean, you know, obviously Philadelphia, you're going to have a great home crowd. But, I mean, you got to get it done on the road, man. That's what separates these average teams from the good teams. I mean, even in the days when they sucked, I mean, people didn't realize it, but they were one of the best ATS teams at home in all of the NBA. So, I mean, this team's always played well at home. They have to get things going on the road. And, you know, I feel like he didn't push and beat correctly. I thought he had some kind of funny quotes, though. He said he wanted Ben Simmons to, it was quoted, he said Ben needs to shoot the effing ball, and he said Embiid's being out of shape is going to get us all fired. So, you know, ultimately I think that's what it came down to, and I think getting him out of there is the right move. You need another coach who's got a better plan, and honestly, you got to shoot, you got to make the decision if you're the 76ers. You have Al Warford, Ben Simmons, and Embiid are all trying to play big man. You got to move one of them. I mean, obviously, Horford, I mean, playing $289 million to Tobias Harris is not the move. I mean, let's just be honest. It's a complete shit show in Philadelphia, and firing Brett Brown is a move in the right direction, but there's a lot of moves that are going to have to happen to fix things there. Yeah, I 100% agree with you that he should have got fired. I mean, what he had there should not have got swept by the Celtics this year or lost Mm -hmm. playoffs last year. I mean, they did go up against Kawhi, which fair. It was a good, great series, but he's had too much talent and too much time there with Embiid, Simmons, uh, Tobias Harris. You know, he had JJ Redick for a time. He had a great, a uh, great team, great lineup. Mm-hmm. And he didn't get. I don't think he got to the Eastern Conference Finals um, ever with that team. And they kept saying, "Trust the process, trust the process." And you know, I think Embiid and them, they kind of. They might have gave up on him, too, because they might have lost faith in their coach, and I think that's what really happened here because there's no way they should have got swept by the Celtics. I mean, I thought it was going to happen. I thought the Celtics are – I think they're a great team. But this year, I mean, with what they had, I know they had no Simmons. You got to put up something, some kind of fight in the playoffs. And Yeah. That kind of made them question Brett Brown in his – just his coaching philosophies. And I also say that, you know, I think now since LeBron's out of the East, that the coaching situations there are going to be a lot more. The, the coaching, the hot seat's going to be on, is what I'm saying, for a lot of the East coach. Cause be, because now LeBron isn't there always getting to the East. They're going to have questions for coaches who can't get their team past, you know, the first or second round of the playoffs if, you know, there's no LeBron in the East with a talent like the 76ers had. Yeah, no, I absolutely agree with you. And, I mean, even if you watch those games, it felt like once adversity hit, the 76ers were pretty much just giving up. And, you know, you can't really have that. As the coach, you got to be able to respond. Like, I mean, in game two, they were up by, like, 20 points in the first quarter. Next thing you know, Celtics go on a huge run. They take the lead. Then it was like Philadelphia just died and disappeared. It was like they never even showed up to play the game after 
eight minutes to go in the second quarter. You know, you can't have that if you're the head coach. You got to make adjustments. It's like Brett Brown once his initial game plan gets gets uh, gets found out, or you know, like the other team adjusts his initial game plan. There's no secondary adjustment going on. So you know, I think the 76ers were just a sorry story, and it was time to go ahead and send them home. So honestly, it's probably a good thing they got swept rather than keeping them around there and wasting their time anymore in the bubble. Um, let's move along now. Now to we'll go to the Western Conference and come back over to the East. Um, we're not gonna. I mean, I, actually, you know what? Lakers and Blazers was a was a highly talked up series. Um, let's just go ahead and say this: uh, the Blazers are done, obviously, without Damian Lillard. Um, did this series go the way you thought it would go? Uh, as much as I hate to say it, yes, it. I did think it was going to go that way. Um, I thought Dame could have maybe got it to Game Six, but. LeBron and their team's just too big. The Blazers couldn't play defense. Lillard can only him on his back for so long. And, you know, he also was playing with an injury, I know. And that just – that sucks for them. But LeBron and his – that force over there is just too much with him and AD. And I, I knew it was going to be a quick series after the – especially after the Blazers won the first game. I think people thought maybe, oh, the Blazers could win a few here. But I think I knew that playoff LeBron was going to come, and he definitely did. <laughs> yeah, no, I think – I mean, my my theory of what was going to happen in the series was correct. I mean, I said I thought the Lakers were kind of holding back. You know, I mean, realistically, bro, when they came to the bubble, they never had anything to play for after that first game. Once they won that first game, each team was guaranteed eight games. I gave them a six-and-a-half game lead. I mean, you had to assume the Clippers weren't going to go undefeated, and even if they did, the Lakers had to assume they could win one more game, and they already had the tiebreaker at that point. But, you know, I really think that the Blazers, honestly, Damian Lillard ran out of gas. He had to do so much to pull them together and keep winning game after game after game. I mean, I definitely did buy into the Blazers' hype, but like I said when I previewed this series, that they have no one to match up with on LeBron or Anthony Davis. And, I mean, when that's the way matchups go, you have no chance at winning the series. I mean, I thought the Blazers could have made it. We're going to make it a little closer than they actually did, but... Honestly, I was really impressed with the with the Lakers in Game Three. I thought that was their most impressive game. You know, the Blazers came out, punched them in the mouth after the Lakers responded to them in Game Two, and then next thing you know, the Lakers in that third quarter come out of halftime in a pretty much neck and neck game, and they went off in that third quarter, started bombing threes, playing defense, and everything. I think this is a great series for the Lakers to build off and get their confidence up and everything. I mean, my personal opinion of the Lakers went up a lot from this series, and. I'm not going to sit here and say, oh, the Blazers suck at defense. Oh, they barely got by all these teams and got here. Because, I mean, the Lakers straight up shut them down, regardless of what anyone says. This was an offense that that pre-playoff bubble was putting up almost 120 a game, and they barely even broke 100. They averaged 102.8 points per game in these four games against the Lakers. So Lakers absolutely shut them down. The only thing is the Lakers honestly would have swept them if they could have got a, got, got a few more shots to drop game one. They couldn't throw it in the ocean, though, in game one. So, you know, I'm sitting here looking at everything, man, and I think that the Lakers ended up doing what, they, what I thought they'd do. And, I mean, yes, the Blazers didn't put up as much of a fight as I thought they did, but overall the Lakers performed how I thought they would. Yeah, I mean, it all depends. I mean, I think LeBron's got to attack, attack, attack offensively and score the ball. And I think he realized that. I think game one, I remember the game they lost to the Trailblazers. I believe he only had, it was less than 20 points. It wasn't too many points, but he had a triple-double. And I just, he couldn't, it sounded like he couldn't score. He missed those two free throws at towards the end of the game. Him and Anthony Davis missed four in a row. LeBron missed another big three at the end of the game. And I felt like after that, he kind of turned it on and started, you know, draining these shots. 
some outside shots as well as, you know, taking it and getting a, getting a hard bucket or two. But, um, yeah, I think he turned it around. It's just going to be – it's going to depend on how his outside players can, can play. You know, those guys who can shoot the rock, KCP, uh, Kuzma. It's going to be up to them. And if they can make shots, I think that they can get past the Clippers. It's just – it's going to be how they're playing up to that point. Yeah, no, I mean, it's definitely going to depend on how those role players play. I mean, we know what we're going to get from LeBron and Davis night in and night out in the playoffs, especially in a seven-game series where it's not just one game. You know that those guys, those boys are going to show up like they always do. Um, let's move now to the other series that's still going on. In the, actually, I guess it's shoot. I guess we still have um, all the all the series still going in the Western Conference. Um, we'll go just because that they play tomorrow as well. We'll go with Houston and OKC. And I'll, I guess I'll start us off on this one since I'm the Houston guy here. And the series is currently tied at 2-2. And I'm not going to lie. I'm very scared for the Rockets. So typically a quad injury is, a, is an injury that, you know, you're going to come back from. It takes a little time to get back from. And Russell Westbrook, the way he plays, he's not a shooter. He's athletic. He's going to attack you off the dribble, go to the basket. 80% of Westbrook not playing to his full athletic potential is – not exactly a winning formula. You know, this is a guy who puts up a lot of points and he gets to the rack. I mean, he was scoring as he had this, he had the highest point scoring and a most efficient point scoring in the paint since Wilt Chamberlain once they got rid of Capella there for a while. So, I mean, the fact that guy's not going to have his full athleticism becoming the rack and attacking you like that, I think that's very scary for the Rockets. Also, I feel like in the bubble that all these teams, you know, are more comfortable playing on the court they've been playing on over and over again. And when you're shooting the threes in the way the Rockets do, I think that that really hurts them as well. Just because all these other teams, you know, they're going to be able to kind of keep up with your volume of three pointers and shoot as many. I mean, the Rockets are shooting 54 three pointers right now per game, which is absolutely crazy. And the last thing is, I don't know if James Harden's ever been defended by someone like Lou Dort. And I'm not even saying because Lou Dort's an amazing defender like that, but I mean, this is a guy when he came out of high school, you know, he was a top. 10 overall recruit with Arizona State. I mean, his scoring hasn't quite been there in the in the NBA, but I mean, he's kind of built like a middle linebacker with the way he plays defense, and it's almost like I feel like he's the best cutout player with his athleticism and his size to guard James Harden one on one. I I totally agree with you. I think that the Rockets faithful should be a little concerned what's going on here. I think Westbrook coming back is going to help them a lot. Like you said, it is. It does hurt a little bit that his quad is is the one that's the thing that's getting in his way, and that's how he you know gets to the. That's how he gets missing mm-hmm. back, and you know even his his assist getting it to the outside. He's got a driving kick, so that's going to hurt. But I think him coming back rally the the Rockets team, and they're going to get up for it, especially if he can come back after this uh, holdout phase. Um, they've been playing well. They haven't played. I haven't thought they've played bad. I think James Harden definitely frustrated after game. Saw him punch that hand sanitizer. <laughs> I don't know if you saw that. All it was all over. No, the I place. saw that. I saw that. Fell over, but he. I think he's frustrated because I mean, thirty plus. He didn't. You know, he didn't have forty. You know, forty five like he can have. But I think they that they're going to be okay. I think it just depends on if Westbrook can come back and play. Even if he's ninety percent, that'd be helpful. But they gotta they gotta keep making those threes. They're gonna they're gonna be shooting a lot of them, like you said. So I think you know having a guy like Westbrook come back. Westbrook's he's that kind of guy. He's gonna get them fired up. You know he he talks a lot. He's the kind of guy who rallies the team. I feel like, and I think that that could be a good response for the team this for this series. 
Yeah, see, my only worry, though, is that he can't come in and play at the level they're going to need him at. You know, even coming into this series, I said I think we're in for a seven-game series. I said I thought the Rockets' role players would step up for him some games, and they crash some games like we've seen so far. I mean, there's been a couple calls. I'm not going to sit here, though, and nitpick the refs, but, I mean, there's a couple calls at the end, especially of that last game, that, I mean, they were calling touch fouls for OKC. Then at the other end, you see the Harden and other players get mugged, and somehow the referees swallow their whistle, and then P.J. Tucker throws the ball away. I mean, Realistically, in Game 3, I mean, we were basically one play, two plays away from seeing OKC go down 0-3, and somehow they're able to save it and go to overtime. I mean, realistically, I think I think these role players for OKC or for uh, Houston have been overperforming a little bit, and it kind of scares me because I mean, the Thunder seem like also they found their small ball lineup, you know, so. It's scary. I think a lot can still happen in that series. I'll be honest with you. My my confidence in Houston getting out of this series and getting to the next round right now is sitting at about 40%. So, I mean, right now, gun to my head, I'm taking OKC to get out of this series, man. I just really don't like what I've been seeing from Houston lately in the, the second half of this series. I can't believe what I'm hearing. The, the Houston guy is always talking to me about how good they are. What? Are you kidding me? I think that I think they're still going to be fine. I think they're going to get out of it. You know, look, the the Thunder, like you said, man, they were they were they were a couple seconds away from being down 0-3 and and you know, they've let two games slip the Rockets have and yeah, it's it's sucked, but I think they they know that they have they're so close and they could it could have been four zero really the last game was pretty close too, um, you know Harden had thirty two, uh, who I think it was Gordon had twenty three, um, and PJ Tucker had a couple threes so, yeah I mean, I, I believe in him still especially if Westbrook can come back I know you're worried about how well he, but I know I, I know Westbrook's got some dog in him I think he's gonna, maybe not play a full game maybe play you know like. 20 Mm -hmm. to 25 minutes and hopefully they can get a dub from that but Harden's going to continue to put team on his back I I have trust in him hey I mean if Westbrook can come back and play at a high level it'll really throw a wrench in things and I mean I think that this kind of boycott for the last few days gives them a little bit of an advantage just because it gives Westbrook an extra day or two to heal up and kind of get a little bit more ready because he's very questionable I mean I'm not going to lie though it's it's going to be a dogfight down to the wire here. I mean, the thing that just scares me though is, you know, is when you're in a series like this and you're all and you're this close to kind of eliminating the other team, and they keep on staying in it. I feel like that really takes a toll on you. I mean, think about last year. I mean, the Raptors went to the went to overtime in Game Three against the Bucks and were seconds away from being down 0-3. They win that game. All of a sudden, they get new life and they end up coming out of the East and winning the championship. You know, they were literally one play. I think Giannis missed a free throw at the end, then Kawhi came down and hit a shot, sent the game to overtime. I mean, they're pretty much one free throw away from not even winning a championship, let alone not even getting out of that round of the playoffs. So. I mean, don't get me wrong, I, I'm not saying Houston's dead in the water, but the signs I'm seeing right now out of Houston don't give me a lot of hope, so it's going to be weird to see what happens, man, these next couple games. I think, though, regardless, they're going seven in this series, and it's really going to come down to what happens in Game 7, and I really don't want it to come down to Game 7 for Houston, but that just looks like the way things are. I think, you know, longer the series goes, the more likely that Westbrook gets fully healthy as well, you know. Will they be? They'll be playing tomorrow, correct? You said that the schedule came out, right? Yeah, yeah. It says that they're at least that's what it says on ESPN. Is they're supposed to play three games that got delayed tomorrow. 
Um, I'm hoping that that happens. I'm not 100% sure if that's what will, how it's going to go down, but that's what I'm thinking right now. So, you know, we'll see what happens. We'll keep our fingers crossed here. I mean, I'm, trust me, man, I'm, ex- I'm excited, man. It's getting big time here in the playoffs. Let's move, though, to our next matchup, and that's the Clippers versus the um, Mavericks, and that game is supposed to be played on Saturday. Porzingis' status is still up in the air. What are you thinking about this one? I think uh, the Clippers are putting the nail in the coffin in this one. I think they're going to finish them, finish the Mavs off. I think, especially if Porzingis is questionable, I don't, I don't think, I, I think Luke is running out of steam, just kind of like Lillard was. Um, mm-hmm. I think to see such a great performance get cut short like this, because I think Luca had he had Porzingis for the last two games, it could have been a different story. Not, maybe not. I know Paul George and Kawhi. I mean they off the last game and I think if Paul George can get out of this slump that they're gonna they're gonna kind of take off and kind of cruise into the Western Conference Finals again and play with the Lakers um but yeah I think that the Mavericks you know Luca put up a great performance but just he's gonna get worn out and that ankle is not looking too great yeah I will say this the day off kind of helps or I mean honestly now they're going to get it bumped back two days I mean this little extra rest here benefits the Mavericks to get Luka and KP a little more healthy I also thought the Mavericks I mean I was expecting exactly what happened in game five and I thought they were smart to kind of you know give up and rest Luka and KP I thought that was a very smart move by them honestly I thought they shouldn't even have played Luka at all that game but I mean that kid has kind of said let's see if the kid can do something special again um (laughs) I personally think the I'm I'm actually gonna agree with you on this one again, man. I really think the the Mavericks are dead in the water. I think even if they play the Clippers, I think the Clippers needed a sense of urgency. You know, when they were up two game, when they lost that second game, they're just like whatever. They bounced back, whooped up on them game two. I think even game three, they came out there and said, ah, KP's not playing. And I mean, if you remember too, they were up by 20 points for certain parts of that game too. You know, it was like it was kind of like in the fourth quarter all of a sudden that Dallas showed up and just started hitting shots. And I mean, and then honestly, we saw Luka Doncic. I mean, take his next step. That's the other thing, too. Like, Luka really took his next step as a player. He had his big playoff moment. Obviously, he's not going to be able to pull through and win the series. I mean, the Clippers, in my opinion, are the best team in the league. But I feel like the Clippers, you know, Kawhi Leonard and LeBron are the only two players in the league, I will say, that I think can turn it on and off. I feel like that they can put, you know what I mean? Like, when it's a big game, these guys step up and hit another level. And I know a lot of people say that about other players, but these are the only two guys that I thoroughly believe can step up and do this. And that's pretty much what I think we saw in this series. I mean, Paul George even, too, he stepped up, too. That was impressive. I think the Clippers, though, though, will end up winning this series solely because of how bad Dallas's defense has been. They've been giving up 129.8 points in these five games, which is Pretty bad. I mean, the Mavericks did have the best offensive rating. They had a historically great offensive rating in the regular season. Now they've dropped to the eighth best since the bubble has come back. So I think that's catching up to them, too. I just think Luka and KP, it's a year too soon, man. And call me crazy, but we might see Giannis on the, on the Mavs. And the Mavs as soon as even this, this upcoming season. So hold your horses there. But that's a conversation for another day. But anyway, I think, I think, I think they're dead in the water. Yeah, I agree with you. I think that Luca and KP, it's going to take another year. They're going to be a, a higher seed next year. Um, and they might have a, get a better draw in the first round. But I don't know. I don't know about all that about Giannis going to <laughs> the Dallas. I think he's going to uh, South Beach in Miami. 
hey, you know, all I'm saying is if Luca calls me and Jimmy Butler, I'm going to play with Luca instead of Jimmy Buckets. But there's a lot that can happen with Giannis. I'll talk about that. Actually, you know, I'll, we'll keep that out of here because, I mean, we, me and Thacker talked about that for probably like two hours the other day. So that's how much <laughs> there is to cover on that. But there could be a strong possibility Giannis is out of here sooner rather than later. Um, net, the final series we have left is the Jazz and the Nuggets. It's three games to two as well. And I'll let you start us off with this one once again. What do you think is going to happen in game six? Will we see a game seven? No, we won't. I think uh, Donovan Mitchell seals it up against the Nuggets. I think he's unbelievable. I think that it's the Nuggets have seen it seems to to me that they have to really 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 have a strong performance from Jamal or Mitchick. Mm. Um I think that it really depends on that that duo right there for the Nuggets and it's been I mean it seems like it'll be one of them or not the other mostly Jamal Jamal Murray has been unbelievable i mean last game was he was just cooking but hey, i don't I, mean to cut you off real quick but jamal murray actually had one of the most historical performances that's not talked about he scored over 90 points the last two games and had zero turnovers that he had over 15 combined assists like no player in nba playoff history has had back-to-back games where they've scored over 40 points and not turned the ball over that's how historic his last two performances have been yeah, yeah, absolutely unbelievable performance last two games. Um, yeah, real. Can he keep it up? I, do you think he? I don't. I don't know if he can keep it up at that level. Have another forty piece and no turnovers. Call me crazy. I know. I'm not hating on him. I'm not hating on him. I'm just. I love Donovan Mitchell, and he is gonna get. He's gonna get a bucket whenever he wants. Yeah, I mean, my thing with the Nuggets has always been they go as far as Jamal Murray can take them. I mean, Jokic's consistently going to get you those assists, rebounds. You know, he's consistently going to put up those numbers that he always does. My thing has always been with the with the Jazz, or I mean, with the Nuggets, what can Jamal Murray do for you? I mean, Jamal Murray, there's a reason why he averages 18.5 points per game in the regular season. Because you get Jamal Murray where he scores 30 points, gets you eight assists, and runs the offense, and you're like, wow, Denver is might be better than the Clippers. Then there's Jamal Murray who shows up and scores his 18.5 points per game. And that's the Jamal Murray you don't want. And I'm going to be honest with you, I don't think Jamal Murray can do that a third game in the row. And I think this is when his regression game comes back in. I think he's going to shoot the ball a lot and not have a great game. I mean, Donovan Mitchell, though, has taken the next step as a player, the step I've been waiting on. That's been my knack on Donovan Mitchell. He has everything. I mean, I even think he might have a little mob mentality in him. But he just hasn't been able to take that next step in the playoffs. And I finally watched Donovan Mitchell do it in a big way on the biggest stage. I mean, I don't think there's going to be a Game 7, personally. If it goes 7, I would get a little worried for the Jazz. But at the same time, Denver's played the worst defense of any team in the bubble. They're giving up, or only to Dallas, they're giving up 121.8 points per game. That's only for the playoffs. I can't get the exact bubble numbers just for the regular season. But I know regular season and playoffs combined, they have the worst net defense in the entire bubble. So... I think all that together, I think Denver's about to have a comeback down to earth game because that's the kind of team they are. Yeah, I totally agree with you. It's actually, it's kind of crazy we're agreeing on these last few uh, matchups. But um, yeah, I think that exactly like you said, and I have pointed out as well that Murray's going to kind of, he can't, I don't think he can do it three games in a row. Surely, I mean, he's going to be a little cool um, coming off these last two performances. So it's it's going to be, it's going to be interesting, but I think, like you said, 
uh, Donovan Mitchell. He is taking the next step as a player. He is unbelievable. He has that. He does have that mama mentality, I think, too, as well. Um, he comes. It's kind of like the fourth quarter of every one of these games. He's kind of turned on a different switch. I know he's had 20 points in one of the fourth quarters in the series and maybe 18 in another, I, th- I think, as well. I could be incorrect about that. But he has really turned on, and he has became a second-half player and kind of became that leader for the Jazz. And became, he gets a bucket whenever they need one direly. Yeah, no, I agree with you completely. This series is as good as done, I think. So, I mean, let's put it this way. We might have to eat our – there's been times, Kobe, where I've said guaranteed things like this before and I have to eat my words, so I'm not going to guarantee it. But in my mind, it's as good as done. <laughs> I I think so, too. I guess we'll find out. Murray can shut us up, so I guess we'll just have to see. Yeah, no, that's what it's going to come down to, man. Can Jamal Murray shut us up or not? So more power to you, Jamal. Um, let's go ahead though, and let's move to the Eastern Conference. And you know, we're not even going to talk about Bucks and Magic because, to be honest with you, the Magic already got their bags packed. They got the flight booked. They got the vacation <laughs> booked. They got they already purchased. You know, they 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 already made the off season. You know, the Ma- the Magic are done, man. They probably already got a section purchased at the club. That's probably where they're headed right after the games over on the team bus since they're already in Orlando. But let's go ahead and let's talk about the first round matchup that's guaranteed here, and then we'll circle back to the Bucks and Heat. And let's talk about this Raptors and Celtics matchup. Who do you think is going to win? And kind of give me a, a re- your reasoning of why. <laughs> well, I, I know from uh, prior talks, we're definitely going to disagree on this one because I know how high Raptors. But um, I think the Celtics are going to take this one, to be honest with you. Um, Tatum, Brown, Kimba. Kimba, a great addition to the, the Boston Celtics, uh, taking away Kyrie. You know that that's been their biggest help. I feel like you know they got they got some help down low too with Cantor. I, I think I just like them. I like them taking that next step and getting to the Eastern Conference Finals. I think especially in in a bubble year where they don't have to play on the road. I think that that helps out these young guys with mm-hmm. down. They kind of got a couple of years playoff experience on, under their belt, so this is this is where they kind of take that next step. But can they can they take it to the Eastern Conference Finals? And I think that this year with the Raptors without Kawhi is the perfect opportunity for them to do it. And I they have, I think they they can have a little more star power than the Raptors. I'm, I know you probably don't agree with me, but I think they do have a little more star power. <laughs> yeah, I mean, they probably have the best player on the court in Jason Tatum, but I would argue the Raptors after at that point have a lot of the better players. I mean, I'd say maybe even Kimba, but at the same time, and Nick Nurse, they have the smartest coach in the entire NBA. Nick Nurse will expose Kimba Walker for the fact that he plays no defense, and he will take it at him the entire series. Fred Van Vliet's taking his game to the next level. But the thing about this Raptors team is they can play any style of basketball with you. You want to play big, they'll throw a Baca and Gasol in there with you. You want to play small, they'll move a Baca and Gasol to their five, put Siakam at the four, and then they'll throw Van Vliet, um, Norman Powell, and Kyle Lowry on the floor there. I mean, they have the th- that's probably one of the three best defensive guard groups, too, in the league. I think not having Gordon Hayward really hurts the versatility of these Celtics lineups. I think the 76ers were, like I said, I think that they were dead in the water and they're just dead men walking around the court collecting checks this entire playoff so I don't really take anything to 
into account what that happened last series. I think the fact they don't have Gordon Hayward will get exposed in this series. And the way I look at things, man, I think Nick Nurse is going to have a game plan that Brad Stevens won't even be ready for. I know that they did lose to them in the bubble, but I think that was more so Nick Nurse saying, you know, whatever. And also they started the game out 0 for 8 and went down 16-0 out the gate. So I think they just kind of gave up and said, we'll see you guys in the playoffs. Y'all aren't going to see any of our actual looks. Um, the Raptors, man, they can play with you anyway. I mean, we saw them score 151 points that last game against the Nets. They're holding their opponents to 105 points, and they scored 126 points in this playoff in that playoff series. So the Raptors, not only can they shut you down, but they can find many other ways to beat you. And, I mean, we even saw them beat the Heat when they turned the ball over 21 times. They will find a way to win a basketball game. They're a scrappy team, and I think the fact that they don't have Kawhi is being overrated. Yeah, I, I, um, I just, I, I can see where you're coming from with with the Raptors. I, I like, I like your theory, and I think more of for me, I, I think Tatum is just that guy, and I think Jalen Brown is becoming better and better every game that he plays, and I think that you know, like you said, they might attack Kimba Walker on the offensive side of the ball. You know, because Kimba, Kimba can't really play that defense, like you said. But I just think that the Celtics can can outscore them, to be completely honest with you. I, I think that you have Tatum, who's going to get you 30-plus, probably miss every game of the series. Kimba's going to get you at least 20. And you got Jalen Brown put, giving you another 20 or 25. I You know, that's whatever, how many points that is. But you, you, you got some other good role guys that are going to put up a decent amount of points. And I think that this is going to be the series where the Celtics shut down uh, Van Fleet. I think they really, they can stop, they can stop him. I don't know if they're going to necessarily put Kimba on him. I don't, I don't really know. I don't think that, I think you think, you think they'll have Kimba on Lowry, right? Yeah, Kimbo and Lowry, probably Brown on Van Vliet. I mean, Tatum and Siakam are going to go at each other. And I mean, Siakam can definitely frustrate Tatum. <laughs> Uh, I think I think he might be right, but I like I like Tatum. He's a, that young man's a walking bucket, and uh, Jalen Brown he can play he can play defense now. And I, I I've seen that firsthand at a couple of games um, myself. He's uh, he's unbelievable on the defense side of the ball, but I think the Celtics are taking that next step. And you know what? I think the Raptors are going to be eliminated in six. <laughs> wow. See, I'm the exact opposite as you. I'm Raptors win this series in six. Um, who would you say your X factor is that's going to that's going to be the player that's going to be the reason why the Celtics are the – or what do you think will be the reason why the Celtics win this series ultimately? Well, X factor, are you asking X factor or am I ask, are you asking like straight up reason why I think they're going to win? Yeah, what's like the X factor you think that's going to drive them to win? Okay, I think, well, I mean, obviously Tatum's going to go off, but if I'm saying X-Factor, it's got to be Kimba Walker. I think he's okay. he's be the reason they take that next step this year. I think that uh, the Celtics poorly last year, not saying anything against Kyrie. I think that they just, I don't know, I th- it was just a weird mix with Kyrie and him leaving Cleveland and trying to figure himself out as a leader, kind of. And okay. he kind of ditched Boston to go play in Brooklyn, I think that Boston kind of knew that Kyrie's heart wasn't where it would, should have been last year. He was already thinking about Brooklyn or somewhere else before he even left. So I think 
Kemba is going to really lead them. I'm I'm big on Kemba. I'm a UConn guy, so I can say that I, I like him. I like him as a a leader. And I think he's going to help these young guys them to the next step. See, my big fault with Kimba's game is his passing. I don't think he's that great. I think, honestly, him and Kyrie are a lot of the same player and how they both like to play iso ball, and they're both not great passers. Um, I actually think that the X factor of the series is Nick Nurse um, because he's the best coach in the NBA. I think no matter what, he will have a lineup on the floor, and he will have some way of countering any move Brad Stevens makes. So I think Nick Nurse is going to pull out some of his guru coaching moves. And, I mean, we watched him do it against the Bucks. He basically said, anybody besides Giannis beat me, go ahead. And clearly no one besides Giannis could. I mean, he might do the same thing here with the, with the Celtics. He might say, hey, anybody besides Jason Tatum. Or he might say, hey, Tatum, you and, uh, you and Kimba can control the ball, but you aren't going to pass it to anybody else. And, you know, he's going to have, let's put it this way, any game plan or any adjustment Brad Stevens makes, Nick Nurse got three more up his sleeve for him. So, it's going to be a fun series. My final prediction, I'm going Raptors in six. You said Celtics in six, right? Yep. <laughs> hey, um, uh, yeah, we're, we're both on the opposite side on that one. But, you know, it's going to be a fun series, man. At least, hey, at least this way one of us will be right on this one. So I'm excited to see what happens there. Let's move to our other Eastern Conference matchup here in our last matchup of this podcast. It's not 100% yet, but I'm going to be honest with you. If anybody thinks the Magic is going to come back and win this series, I'll gladly bet you on that. So give my, hit my line if you think that's the case. But we got the Boston – or what am I saying, Boston? We got the Milwaukee Bucks versus the Miami Heat. Um, who do you think will – or actually first, let's – yeah, who do you think is going to win this matchup? <laughs> Gosh, my uh... – my heart wants to say the heat, but I, I can't. I can't pull the trigger on it. I can't. Just Giannis, Giannis is Giannis, and he's unbelievable. But I do think the Heat are going to make this a very interesting series, and I think that they are going to take this to seven games. Um, I don't know what you think about that, but I, I think that – I don't know. Something's off with the Bucs and playing. To me, personally, they just haven't – I know they they've beat Giannis has had his 30, 30 point game, seventeen in rebounds, you know, and he's been going off, you know, he's had Middleton kind of he had he kind of picked it up last game in the second half. You got guys like Wesley Matthews hacking a couple threes here and there, but outside of like them, I just don't. Giannis needs more help to me if they're gonna go real real far, like where they want to go, where they want to go to the NBA Finals far they they gotta add something else and i don't know what it is exactly but i think that the heat are gonna give them some trouble just because of the way the heat can shoot the ball i mean we've seen it in doses with the magic shooting and kind of making it closer with the bucks than it should have been so i don't know what you think about that but that's my opinion i think it's gonna be close yeah, you know, the Bucks' one problem, I will say this, is defending the three. They give up – they let other teams, I think, shoot almost 40% from the three-point line, which is not great. But the Heat have been shooting the ball well. But also, I would argue that the Pacers, I mean, they were dead men walking as well. They had so many injuries and everything. I think it was just time for them to go ahead and go home. 
Um, I personally think the Heat will get smacked to the mouth in this series. I mean, we saw them go up by 23 in the first half last time they played the Bucks, and we saw the Bucks come out and absolutely pummel them in the second half and beat them by 14 points. I mean, that to me and the fact that they lost to the Raptors with 21 turnovers reassured me that they're still pretenders and not contenders. Jimmy Butler also hurt his shoulder last game, which I think is a huge blow for them because, I mean, Jimmy Butler, in my opinion, is maybe a top 20 player in the NBA. He's definitely in the top 25. He's in that 20. Let's put it this way. He's after 15, and he's not over 25. He's somewhere in that range, and I don't think that's quite frankly enough to get past them. I mean, Chris Middleton has had his struggles. He seems like he's finding his shot a little bit more lately. That still scares me a little bit, but I personally think Giannis himself will be enough to get them through this series. Um, I think they can present a lot of mismatches against the Heat, and I also think they can use their paces to an advantage against the Heat, who like to play a little bit slower, more defensive style of basketball. Um, I think Giannis also will try to draw Bam out from underneath the hoop because, I mean, they don't really have anybody to chase him around on the perimeter. Ultimately, I think the Bucks as well have another kind of factor that helps them um, be a little more motivated with the shooting and everything that happened, the fact that it was in Milwaukee. I think that's another rallying point for this team and something that's going to bring them together more because, I mean, they even said even though they boycotted the game yesterday that they were still in favor of finishing the season. They just wanted to shed some light on what happened, which I'm personally back them up on. I thought it was the right – I think they did it the right way. Let's put it that way. So – I personally think the Bucks are going to come out here, man, have a huge game in this game one. I think they're going to come out, make a statement, and I think they take. I think if they send the Heat home in six games, Max wouldn't be shocked to see them send them home in five. I I love it. I love it. I love the disrespect against my Heat. You know, I'm not saying I'm a Heat fan by any means. I just I like him this year for some reason, and I like. I like Jimmy Buckets where he's where he's taking him. I, he's a good leader for those young guys. I think the, the way he does things may be unconventional. Others kind of got the boot. He played in Chicago and in Minnesota. He, he didn't really do too hot there. But I, I I think that the Heat are gonna find their three point shot in some of these games and make you know. 10 to 15 threes, maybe even more than that in a couple of games and give the, give the Bucks a run for their money. I think, like you said, the Bucks struggle, you know, defending the three and at the end, it's going to, it's going to kind of come down to Giannis and his outside players. But I think Giannis, like you said, is going to be able to get it done by himself. I'm not going to, I did say seven, but I think I'm going to go with six final and say Bucks and six. But the Bucks are definitely not just coasting to the NBA Finals like some people say. I, I definitely don't think so. No, I think the Bucks will hit the hard road in the following round. I still think the Heat are a piece away. I think they need to combine some guys like maybe like Tyler Hero and, um, and Kendrick Nunn and maybe a draft pick or two and go out and get someone who's more of a star or at least like another top 25 player to pair next to, or pair next to um, Jimmy Butler. I mean, maybe even get Oladipo in free agency. So, you know, I think there's a lot of things that they still need to do to make this team better. I think they have a lot of good pieces. Like, I like Bam as a number three option, not as a number two. So I think the Heat still have some things they need to do. I think Milwaukee will get past them, but I think Milwaukee will see their problems more in the next round. But regardless, I think it should still be a fun series to watch. And, you know, I'm excited to go ahead and get here to the next round. I'm going to miss having games on at 1 p.m., but at the same time, it's even better to watch another higher level of basketball. Oh yeah, for sure. I I want to say a, a crazy hypothetical would be if uh, Giannis put the Heat out and then joined Miami after losing in the Eastern Conference Finals. 
next in this upcoming offseason. I think Giannis is, if he doesn't, I, I know we could talk about that for a long time, but that would be, that was just a crazy hypothetical that popped in my head that if Giannis put the heat out and then joined him in the following offseason, that'd be interesting to me. Yeah, no, I, I mean, it's going to be interesting to see what happens. Giannis still has another year left on his contract, but they're going to offer him a Supermax deal. And, I mean, when Giannis turns down the Supermax deal, I think it's going to be the same thing with Anthony Davis. They're going to be forced to trade him. I mean, the thing is, though, how good is the Heat's trade offer going to be? Every single team in the league is going to call him and offer him a trade. So that's why I don't want to get too into this because we can, you could sit here and speculate for the next three hours of what the, they could do and what trades could happen for Giannis. But before we get out of here, we didn't podcast. I podcasted way earlier in the week last week, so I wanted to go ahead and talk about this real quick, and that yeah. is the um, upcoming NBA draft lottery. Um, what I mean, what what did you think about what happened for the Hawks? I mean, personally, it sucks, man. As an Atlanta fan, it feels like every single time we get our hopes up, we're finally this deep in the lottery. Some t- how like freaking Charlotte and Chicago get lucky and slide in the top three, but at the same time. We can't really complain because we did get a top three pick, in my opinion, in the most stacked draft in NBA history. <laughs> I um, was looking at the percentages a couple of nights before the the lottery happened, and I saw that we were twenty five percent light, or there was a twenty five percent chance that we could get the six pick, and I was like, and we had a twelve percent to get the first, like. 12% to get the second and third, maybe in fourth. And um, I just had a feeling we were going to get the sixth pick just because I know Atlanta loves history. If you live in Atlanta or you're an Atlanta fan, you know what I mean. <laughs> but, um, yeah, I think that it was unfortunate that we saw teams who, like Charlotte in who, – who did you say, Charlotte, and somebody else who slide above Chicago. Atlanta – at Chicago, the slide above us, and I just—I'm not a fan personally of the lottery. I don't think any other league does it. I believe I—I I don't know what you think about it, but <laughs> it, I'm, I just think that it should be the worst team gets the best pick, and it should just be left at that. But hey, I'm not in control, so. <laughs> Yeah, I'm actually going to – see, I actually have to disagree with you on that one. I mean, as much as it sucks, man, like, yeah, the Hawks had a horrible season. We should get a higher draft pick. In the NBA, it's too dependent on one player. And, like, one player can change your entire franchise so much more in the NBA than they really can in the NFL or even in the MLB. So it kind of discourages teams from tanking and just being absolutely awful. You know, like, if if the if it, there wasn't a lottery, you know, you might see teams come out here and lose every you – know, there might be a losing war. You know what I mean? Like these teams might – it would be – let's put it this way. I don't think it would be good for the sport if they did it that way. Um, personally, though, at the same time, I'm not as upset about not having the number one pick in this draft because at the same time, I mean, every single player, in my opinion, still has a lot of question marks. Like Anthony Edwards, I still have a ton of question marks about him moving forward. I mean, don't get me wrong. I watched a decent bit of Georgia games. I like what I saw out of him. But at the same time, there's a lot – There's you know, he's, he's not a perfect player. Like there's a lot of flaws in his game still and ways he needs to get better. And I think that players like that, you but um by the way, this off topic, but Machado and Tatis just hit two absolute back to back missiles. But anyway, back to what I was saying. I mean, I just think that there's no player who has a completely unflawed game. Like there's no Zion Williamson, there's no John Morant, there's no Trey Young, there's no Luka Doncic, there's not even a DeAndre Ayton in this draft that you know it's like going to be a sure thing, good player. Um, I personally think the best move for the Hawks is trading the draft pick. And tell me what you think about this hypothetical here. 
So Buddy Heald said he was unhappy, and there's multiple times where he said he was unhappy with their head coach and the moves that they made this offseason. And the fact that he didn't get to start a lot of those games and they put him on the bench, he said he was fed up with it and he was tired of everything in Sacramento. I mean, I personally think the number six overall pick to get Buddy Heald out of Sacramento is plenty. If anything, throw Kevin Herter in there. That's the highest I would go, though, besides those two. I mean, to get a, to get their sixth man from them for, I mean, a sharpshooter with a lot of potential and the number six overall pick, I mean, with the players still available in this draft, I mean, Sacramento doesn't look like that them losing Buddy Heald is going to change their entire franchise. I mean, they look like they're kind of stuck in mediocrity in the Western Conference. I mean, do you think it's a good trade? <laughs> I I think okay. I think it depends on who would you rather have, Buddy Hield or Kevin Herter. Um, I think Buddy Hield's a great player. I think he's got an unbelievable shot, and he he can get a bucket if especially if he has help around him. But um, I don't know. Do you do you really think it's worth giving up Herter? Yeah, I mean, I would give up that number six overall pick and Herter to go out and get healed. I mean, his shooting, the way he could stretch the floor for Trey Young in there at shooting guard, I mean, I mean, next level nasty in my opinion. At the same time, though, I personally think the best player in this draft is Obi Toppin, and I don't think he's getting the type of talk that he deserves. He's your perfect four for this kind of NBA. He is crafty in the post, can take people in the post and take over, but also on top of that, he can stay on the perimeter and, and hit threes too, which, I mean, in my opinion, that's the kind of players that really, really scare you in this kind of NBA, and I think Obi Toppin's one of those. I mean, the only problem is we still have John Collins, but, I mean, if, we pick, if we're there at the number six pick and Obi Toppin's on the board, I think he's the can't-miss player of this draft. I just don't think he's getting the talk he deserves. I personally think he's the best fit for the Warriors even over James Wiseman. I mean, the Warriors haven't dominated with big men play inside like that. They dominated when their best lineups are small ball. They don't really have their Iguodala anymore. I mean, they could play him and Draymond at the three and four. You know, I mean, at the four and five, Wiggins at the three, and then you got Clay and Steph. I mean, I personally think that top, I think Obi Toppin won't be on the board anymore, but I think he's the best player in the draft, no doubt about it. Toppin is a beast. I really was, I think, before all the March Madness tournaments got mm -hmm. canceled. I had Dayton winning it all, actually. I, I was a believer in the Flyers. Um, Obi Toppin, he is unbelievable. The way he can get up, and the way he can shoot, play defense, he can do it all. He everything, like you said. Um, yeah, he, he would be a great addition for the Hawks. He is a lot like John Collins, though. Um, so that would be maybe a question mark. But you got to decide at the end of the day whether when are you going to get that experience for the Hawks? When are you going to help Trey Young, Herder, Collins? When are you going to get a guy who can lead them? Is are you going to want to really get Obi Toppin, another young guy? Your, your team's definitely the youngest in the league. Then you have probably four guys that are under twenty three or twenty four. I do like Obi Toppin, but I think I. Really liked your first hypothetical of trading that six pick, getting somebody, maybe Buddy Hill. I could look into more trades myself, but uh, I think they need to get some help with uh, like experience. Someone can get there in a starting role and, and help them out. 
Yeah, I mean, I just don't think that you can make you just make a trade and make it. You know what I mean? Like the the right price has to be on there. I'm perfectly fine with us drafting another young player, and you know, we still have so many young guys, and we don't even know like what Cam Reddish and DeAndre Hunter are going to transform into. I saw a lot of life from those guys as the season went on, so I think they're still going to keep getting better and better. I think Herder too is ready to take the next step. See, the thing people didn't realize about Herder and Reddish is they both had leg injuries and, and arm injuries, so they weren't really able to do anything kind of leading up to the season. So as the season went on, it was like they got more acclimated and more into the season. I mean, we watched those guys all get better as the season went on. So, you know, I really think that this Hawks team, they can they they can afford to use the draft pick and just stash another young guy and just keep kind of playing and playing and wait for that right player to be available. You know, I don't think we should – that's when teams kind of get in bad situations. Like, look at the 76ers, man. They had everything going right, then they trade up for Markel Fultz, and then they even saved it with getting Jimmy Butler. Then once he left them, they went pure panic mode and gave all this money to Al Horford and Tobias Harris. I mean, they, they locked up $289 million to those guys over the next four years. I mean, it's absolutely psychopathical to go out and do something like that, and I don't think the Hawks should chase. You know, I think we should just be patient. Yeah, maybe we might be the eight seed or barely miss the playoffs next year, but until that the right player is out there that we can pair next to Trey Young, we don't need to do anything. True. I, I like I liked your points about that. Yeah. Don't wanna absolutely don't want to reach like the seventy sixers and and pay up for somebody that doesn't deserve that money or just, you know, kinda I feel like that situation was kinda like they felt like they they kinda hit panic mode, like you said. They went out and got, got Tobias Harris and they signed Simmons and, and beats this money and that kind of screwed him over in the long run, I thought. So, yeah, I think, you know, getting a guy like Toppin would be great. Um, but, you know, I'm thinking, I'm thinking short term just because I want the Hawks to, you know, have a fighting chance. And I think you can still go out and get somebody, maybe not Buddy Hill, but maybe someone – someone else, you know, to, to compliment Trey Young's game. But he has John Collins off the pick and roll. I think, you know, just getting, I think, one more piece, man. And I think they are, they are within, they could be a great team next year. Mm-hmm. Depends yeah. on, yeah, like, obviously, if I'm saying, like, hypothetically, like, okay, if we could get Paul George, that would be unbelievable. That's not going to happen. Yeah, the Clippers gave up. Yeah, the Clippers gave up so many first round picks. Yeah, I'm not saying Buddy Heald's the end all situation. I just think it's another good player to add for a cheap price to the team. I still think that we still would probably either see how you know things are going out, and see if we can pick up another superstar player. Let's put it this way: the Hawks are far from done picking players up and everything. Unfortunately, my computer's on three percent. I don't know where my charger is, so <laughs> let's go ahead and get out of here. Because I mean, we could sit here and talk hy- Hawks hypotheticals all day, just like we could do the same thing with Giannis. So you know, we'll definitely put together a podcast when the season gets over, where we're going to yeah. talk hypotheticals for hours on end. But we appreciate everyone who tuned in. Um, Kobe, you got anything last words to say? I appreciate you coming on once again and helping break everything down with me. No, yeah, always, always a pleasure coming on talking with you. Um, yeah, we went went for a long time <laughs> this time, but uh, hope everybody out there loves it and um, get to you next time. Hey, absolutely. Once again, I appreciate everyone who tuned in, and we'll talk to you all again soon. Peace.